everyone. Welcome to episode four of Spilling Salsa, the sports and pop culture pod. I'm Matt, as always, and here with my co-host, Chad. How's it going, Chad? Doing pretty well. I got my second vaccine shot, so I'm, I'm fully, vaccinated, fully vaccinated in a few weeks, so that's exciting. Um, I'm ready to to introduce some new uh, some new segments here for the for the audience see if we can surprise them a bit okay were you uh in for any surprises with a sore arm or, or some uh, <laughs> any sickness after the the second dose uh no arm soreness which is exactly opposite of the first shot the first shot i had arm soreness no side effects this time no arm soreness but chills body aches and fever so i had the the worst part of it for about 12 hours but after that, uh, I was I was pretty good, so I can't complain too much. Twelve hours of being sick, uh, I, c- I can deal with it. Yeah, yeah, short term loss for for long term game, uh, long term gain. So hopefully, uh, I encourage anyone listening to go get go get the vaccine once it's available. Uh, let's Absolutely. get over this thing. All right, so big event of the uh, weekend was the Masters, as we talked about on our last mm-hmm. podcast. Fairly surprising results if we uh, if we look at the pre-tournament odds for who was going to win. Um, it's a name that I think a lot of avid golf fans know, but maybe not uh, just your casual viewers are too aware of, especially in the last few years. He hasn't been quite as relevant as he was maybe uh, four or five years ago when he was really tearing up the courses. But what are your thoughts on, on Hideki Matsuyama, uh, the first Japanese player ever to win the masters, I think even to win a major uh, on the golf, on the PGA tour, which is huge for Japan and huge for obviously Matsuyama. He uh, he wasn't really, even though the the final um, the final scores you know indicated he was only one stroke further below par than than the second place guy Will Zalatoris. It still was never really seemed to be that close. The second two round or the the third and fourth rounds. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on on Hideki's win? It took me completely by surprise. I definitely know. And have watched Hideki for, I mean, five, five, six years. Um, he, he kind of he got lost in the shuffle over the past couple of years because there was a time, like you said, where he was a top contender at a lot of these majors. Um, he was competing with Tiger and some of these other guys at the top of the leaderboard pretty, pretty regularly. But he had a dip for for I think about two years or three years where he just really struggled to find his swing, and I know I. I heard that he lost his confidence a bit. So this was actually really awesome to see because, like you said, the, the score said he only won by one, but it wasn't very close after round two. Um, he maintained a four-shot lead, and then he he had one or two holes late on Sunday that really made it closer than it should have been with just a, a couple shots. He may have been feeling the pressure a little bit, feeling the moment, but it was awesome to see him become the first Japanese player to win the Masters. Um, I know... As they were winding down, the uh, the announcers were doing a. They were showing all the the past Japanese players and where they finished. So it was it was really cool to see uh, him kind of honor that tradition. And at his caddy took a bow like at the at the at the last hole. Um, I think it's really cool, and it shows that golf has a nice parody where there's just a lot of players at the top and a lot of players that are competing. Where it feels like going into every tournament, you just really don't know who's going to win. And there could be a new guy each, each weekend. Yeah. I thought this masters was, was like you said, a really good illustration to those who maybe don't watch the tour at weekend and week out and only tune in for sort of the, the big majors and the big events, or even those that don't, this masters was a really good reminder of the future of golf is I think in really good hands with uh, you've got some young guys coming up like Will Zalatoris, who got second, you've got Xander Shoffley, uh, another young guy who has contended in some of these big events, but any given week, it's anybody's tournament and you get the big dogs winning sometimes, but you also get some of the lower, lower ranked guys winning pretty frequently on the tour as well. Uh, I was also happy just as a closing thought to see some of the old names like Justin Rose and Jordan Spieth, two guys who have really struggled to find their form uh, recently on the tour and have sort of faded into maybe a little bit of, of an afterthought in some of these big tournaments they they really came on pretty strong, and, and I know they didn't win it, but they came on pretty strong all four rounds, and uh, it's good for the game when those kinds of guys are up towards the top of the leaderboard, and it's good for the the fans for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's um, Justin Rose, definitely one of those guys, like you said, kind of like Matsuyama, that was near the top of like the leaderboards for years, and it seems as if any given like big tournament with his experience, he can compete for the win. 
Um, and with Jordan Spieth, I think that's just one of those things, kind of like the Tiger factor, obviously not as much because Tiger, when he's playing in a tournament, like golf viewership, it goes through the roof. But Jordan Spieth's one of those guys that a lot of newer golf fans really took a liking to when he just came on the scene and was absolutely dominating. So whenever he's on the top of his game, he can be really, really good. Um, and it's great to great to see him get his swing back the last the last like six months or so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I think uh, I think for for the casual viewers and those that aren't super interested in golf, there's definitely some storylines there to follow to pique people's interest. So I definitely encourage people to to take a peek at the next few years of golf. I think it's going to be a really exciting time for it for the sport. Switching up gears a little bit, we are going to uh, hit on what, what we'll loosely call our pop culture segment today. And Chad and I were, were chatting earlier, and so we've done a little bit of research about what are the 10 most common pet peeves or around 10 of the most common pet peeves that are cited in, in surveys or research for people that are annoyed by these 10 things more than others. So you can think of some really common ones. I'm sure everyone has at least a couple of these on their on their own personal list of pet peeves. It's almost like you hear about them and then you're like, oh, I'm supposed to be annoyed by this, some of them, some of them. So we chose five of them that we feel like were cited the most across the different the different sources or the different websites and were mentioned sort of most frequently or at least near and dear to our hearts. So the way we're going to do this is, is Chad, I'm going to, for the first one, and then you can, you can take the second one and so on and so forth. I'll mention a pet peeve that was listed and maybe listed high on the, on the list. And you'll say on a scale of one to 10, does this not bother you at all being a one or does this drive you up the wall crazy and like make you just want to completely leave that person's site and, and you're just like I don't even want to be friends with okay. you anymore okay all right number one this is maybe one of the most common pet peeves like ever because I think in any group of friends you, you everyone knows someone with this pet peeve and it's chewing loudly or chewing with your mouth open everyone knows someone with this oh one. for sure what are your what is your uh, what is your thought um so I'll take this one in two parts, chewing loudly or chewing with your mouth open. I'll kind of, I'll, I'll dissect it a little bit. So chewing loudly, I feel like can be very, um, it varies depending on what you're eating. As you know, when you, when you're crunching down on chips, you're obviously going to be chewing a lot louder than when you're uh, eating something that's a little bit softer. I think with that one, chewing loudly doesn't bother me that much. But the chewing with your mouth open part, um, it bothers me a little bit. But when it comes to food, I don't have a ton of pet peeves that are really bothersome. Because, I mean, when you're eating your food and you're enjoying your food, like sometimes you just you, you just forget that your mouth's open. Like I'm not going to say if I'm in Buffalo Wild Wings and I'm chowing down on some wings that maybe I'm getting into it and I'm watching the game and I'm chewing with my mouth open or I'm yelling at the screen while I've got like wing sauce on my face and I'm, I'm not closing my mouth while I'm chewing. So I'm not going to, I don't think this one bothers me as much um, as some others. So on a scale of one to 10, I'm going to give this, I'd say like this bothers me maybe like a 3.5. Okay. I know, I knew you know you uh, love your decimals. Yes. So we could have made this a 20 point, 20 point scale <laughs> if you wanted, but <laughs> we'll, we'll stick with 3.5 out of 10. Very fair. and. Uh, this one's an interesting one because you also could have thrown in here, I guess, like talking with your mouth full because that's another one yes. that, that you, you run the risk of like fire hydrant spraying, like your chewed up pizza bits at people. Mm -hmm. To be honest, I, I'm actually on, on your same wavelength here. It doesn't really bother me that much when people are, are chewing either loudly or chewing with their mouth open. I don't, I don't get too much of uh, my, you know, neck in a twist too much about when people are doing that. I get it. Like I get why people think it's either gross or think it's like something that is maybe a little bit uncouth, if you will. But at the end of the day, like I want people to enjoy what they're eating and I don't necessarily want to be like harping on them be like, Oh, think about the way you're eating your food. And like, no, you know, if you, like you said, if you're at Buffalo Wild Wings, just downing that Asian zing sauce, just enjoy that, man. Just enjoy that it, that sauce. Exactly. Uh, I don't think you should. Uh, nobody wants to be judged while they're eating. Exactly. All right. Very, very good. Um, similar page there. Uh, do you got do you got one for me? All right. So we uh, will go to the, uh, the second one here. Um, this one I've experienced. I'm sure everyone has experienced and... I'd like to know I'd like to know how much it bothers you. This one is when 
people eat food off your plate without asking. So say you, you're with a group of friends and you guys get your orders, DoorDash drops them off. You're opening your, your, your container and you've, you've got some nice chicken tenders and some fries. And then you got your friend who ordered like a flatbread. So they're just, they're, they're like, oh, wow, those fries look good. I didn't get a side. And they just reach over and grab some fries without asking you. Or maybe you're out on a date. Even if, even if it's your girlfriend, she orders something, but she sees your food and she's like, can I, can I, she just doesn't ask. She just reaches over and grabs something. How do you feel about that? What is, what is that on the scale for you? This is, I must say, when ask me this question seven or eight years ago, and it's a different answer for me. I used to really be on like an extreme polar end of this. And if you can guess with the way I'm talking, it'd be that I definitely don't want to share my food. Like I, not even like people asking, like, I don't even want people asking if they can have my food, let alone taking it without asking. Mm-hmm. So if they do it without me, without asking me first, like I, that's a, that's like almost like a 10 for me. That's like a definite nine. Like I think of this episode on, on friends and say what you want about friends. It, it did capture like absolutely pet, pet peeves pretty oh, well. Yeah. And this was one of them, right? Joey doesn't share food. So Joey from friends, I think there was one girl he went on a date with and it was like, they were barely into the date. And he was like, Nope, I'm out. This is, this is, I don't care any other good qualities you have. You like reached over to my plate and you grabbed some fries off my yep, plate. Date, date and that's over. enough for me to be like, I'm done. Day to day was over. Exactly. So for me, nowadays, I definitely am a little bit more, I'll say lenient on my food sharing policies. Um, I still don't love it. I don't love the concept. If we're going to family style dinner or like tapas or some shit like that, like sure. We'll, we'll, we'll share from a middle plate. But when I order my own enchilada dish with a side of rice or whatever, I don't want anyone touching any of that on my plate. That that should be mine. So like, it's still like a seven for me, but it used to be a nine or a ten. Where are you? Uh, once again, two for two. We're we're on this. We're on the same wavelength here. Uh, this one is probably the one food related one that really grinds my gears. Uh, to put it, I really don't like when people take off my plate. Um, like you said, they don't, if they don't ask, that's like, that's insane. I'd, I'm so upset when that happens, <laughs> but even when they ask, I kind of get frustrated. Cause I'm just like, I picked this out because I, and I'm a, I mean, we both love to eat and we eat a lot. Like we're, we're guys who order pretty, pretty hefty amounts of food. We know how much we can eat and we like to eat all of it. So when I'm, when I'm ordering a meal or I'm ordering like a, a 12 inch or 14 inch pizza, I plan on eating the entire thing. I didn't order it to eat seven out of eight slices. I ordered it to eat all eight. <laughs> so I, this one, this one's definitely bothers me. I'm actually going to go with like an 8.5. Like the, <laughs> this one is one of those where I like, I feel like people are going to react a little harshly and be like, wow, you're being a snob. Like, and you can't share, but it's not the sharing issue. I, I'm fine sharing. I promise. It's just when it comes to, especially if I bought the food too, like if I bought the food and I ordered the food, I'm really looking forward to eating that food. So if you go ahead and grab something off my plate without asking, I mean, you can ask my girlfriend, Caroline will try to like take stuff off my plate. And I'm like, Caroline, I will go, I will go back up to the counter and order you a side just so you can have your own. So you don't take off my plate. (laughs) Um, but yeah, this one, this one's going to be high for me. And I know, a lot of people might just be like, wow, that's crazy that it bothers you that much, but it does. You hit it on the head and I'm not going to say that we're victims here, <laughs> but sometimes I feel like people just don't get it. And they're like, oh, like you're being, like you said, you're being, a, you're being stingy, you know, yeah. too hung up about your food. Yeah, you're stingy. And it's like, no, I just, I thought about what I wanted to eat tonight or, or today. And this is what I wanted. And if I needed to account for someone else. I would exactly. have done that. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's see. Let's see if we could differ on one of these here. The one I'm going to throw, throw at you. So this is the, we'll call it the one upper syndrome, common pet peeve, apparently uh, one uppers. So people who wait for your story to finish and then they're like, Oh, but, but, but check this one out. And they're like, I have this story and it might, it might be better than your story. Where does this rank for you? Um, this one definitely has, I think, increased the amount it bothers me over the years, because obviously as we get older, we're, we're talking to people with more experience. We're talking to adults. So those people have had more time to accrue these like life experiences and these stories. Um, but when you're telling a story about something that maybe you, 
you thought was really cool. Hey, you're over in Prague and you go on a bar crawl and you lose track of where you are and don't get back to your room till like 3 a.m. because your Google Maps was not working and you don't know the language. That may have happened. It may not have happened. I'm just bringing that up as an example. Hypothetically, <laughs> hypothetically of course. So it's tough because a lot of people do it to be cool. A lot of people feel like they just have to do it to to just get it. I, I, th- I think it's just a trait that I don't like when people are one-uppers because it, it makes me think they're not actually listening to the first story. Like as soon as they hear kind of what your story is about, they're thinking in their head like, oh, I'm already going to tell this story and this is what I'm going to talk about. And they probably miss half your story. But that being said, this isn't as bad as people taking food off my plate. So I'm going to put this one at like a, I'd say like a 5.5, slightly above, slightly above <sighs> Okay, five point five. Sticking with the decimals, I like it. This is this is actually a, a very clear answer for me. I I really don't like this type of thing when people do it. I'll just come around and say this is probably like a nine for wow. me. And normally it's because I typically associate this, and maybe it's because of of how how I grew up, and like I always thought like these were like those those kids on whether it was Disney channel or like Nickelodeon or, or PBS or whatever was like showing some general like yeah. situational comedy, but for yeah. kids, right. There's always a spoiled brat kid that is always doing something to show up the other kid. So the other kid says, Oh man, look at this brand new, I don't know, like ukulele that, that my family got me to play on. Right. And like, then you get this rich kid that comes in and is like, yeah, but I got this brand new car. And like, everyone's like, Oh my God, look at this guy. And the story is not even remotely about the same thing. Like a lot of times sort of going off that example, that's my least favorite thing is when someone is waiting to tell their story and it has nothing even to do with the most subtle segue from the previous story into their story, just so that they can talk about something that happened to them. It's not so much the one upping factor. It's that the person themselves typically is less like, I don't necessarily want to be around someone like that. And it's more about their character at that point than it is about, about just the fact that they're telling stories. All right. So I think we're on the same page when we, we try to avoid having friends that are, one uppers or or have are very um, used to doing that. I don't think we we enjoy spending a lot of time with those people. If if I'm if I'm getting the the right read from you here, yeah, yeah, and and I mean, you know, maybe we're just coming off as like really hard to get along with, but this is just something that's tough to tough to go along yeah, with. Sometimes it's just, <laughs> it it bothers us in uh, different ways. I mean, I promise we're cool, we're easy to get along with. I hope. <laughs> All right. Let uh, me let me see here. Let me let me see how you feel about this one. When you're whether it's let's say the milk for your cereal or it's in your case the the orange soda that you have on your desert island um or it's <laughs> let's just say the last bit of Dr Pepper for me when I'm eating some pizza and I really want to drink soda with it. The pet peeve here that we're, we're talking about is leaving only a sip of something left in the container. So basically envision that as they leave just enough where you have a, you're just thinking like they were too lazy to want to pour the rest and then go have to throw away or wash out the container and put it in the recycling bin. Or it's maybe they just, they, they were just like, oh, I'll leave a little bit. Cause you know, I don't want to be that guy, but no, you were that guy. You did a worse thing, which was leave a little bit or just a sip of something left in the container. How much does that bother you? Oh man, this is, this is, this is an interesting one. Cause sometimes I am that guy. Sometimes I've, I've been that person and everyone has like a different take on whether this should be acceptable or not. So I actually think it's funny. Like I, I laugh when I like have gone through my preparation of my bowl of cereal which obviously is a very intensive process of pouring a bowl of cereal for yourself. So I've done all this prep and I get out the milk and I pour out the milk and it covers maybe a third of my cereal. And I'm someone who likes full coverage mm-hmm. on my cereal. I'm not, I'm, nice I like balance, a, a yeah. solid milk to cereal ratio. And so when I pour it and it's just like a little sip left, I laugh. I think it's funny. Like I, this is just, this is how my day is going to go. Like this is funny. And I'm not even really going to get, try to figure out like, oh, who, who the hell left only this much milk left? You know what? I've been this person and I've, I've left only a little bit of milk left in there and I've been too lazy to rinse out the container and stuff. So, you know what? I can't be a hypocrite without saying that, that this, if I were to say this really bothers me, 
Um, I'm actually putting this like down at a two. Okay, okay. This one, I think you nailed it on the head when you said that you've been that guy. I think everyone has been that guy, and everyone hates that guy at the same time. It's just kind of <laughs> like, I think depending on the scenario, depending on the day, like how you're feeling that day, I think we all end up being that guy at some point. Um, so this one, I mean, pretty simply, I, I'm on the same page as you. This one's definitely going to go as something that doesn't bother me a ton because I'm a person who I'll just, I'll just look and be like, all right, I'm taking it out of the fridge, dumping the sip out and throwing it away. Like, and I'll just go to the store and get a new one. It doesn't bother me terribly. So I put this probably at like a, like at a three, I think, um, just because depending on the day, it definitely could bother me if I was really craving like something to drink that I thought was in the fridge. Cause when, when you're in your fridge and you're envisioning, you're just later that day, you come back and you're like, I know I saw that we had some soda left. So then you go there and it's just that one sip and you're like, Oh God damn. <laughs> so mm. but it's, it's not the biggest, <laughs> it's, it's not the biggest worry in the world. So I'm going to put it at a, put it at a three. Yeah. I think it's tougher when you don't, you mentioned going to the store, like it's tougher when you don't have the replacement on hand, right? You're cooking up a dish that requires I don't know, corn oh. syrup. And it's like, damn, who left the last thing? Who left, who didn't use up the rest of the, the freaking corn syrup? You only got one drop of corn syrup. I don't even know what corn syrup is used for. <laughs> this is just the first example that came to my head. And so it's like, damn, we probably don't have a spare corn syrup on hand, but someone should have wrote on the damn grocery list to get some more, some more corn syrup. Next exactly. Time we're going in, to the in our house. Um, yeah. That bothers in our house, me more. That's heavy whipping cream. We're, we're finishing the heavy whipping cream. Like, you know, we use heavy whipping cream in a lot of different meals. Let us know when we need it. Don't live a, leave a little bit left because, I mean, you're going, you make all your ingredients. Like you said, you're planning your dinner and then all of a sudden you have to postpone dinner by 30 minutes. It, this, is, this is a common problem. <laughs> exactly. So you could tell what kind of meals we're making with corn syrup and heavy whipping cream at the, uh, at the, the Matt and Chad households. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll kick into the last pet peeve here for you. And this one, I, I chose, I did see it on quite a few lists, but I chose it because it's pretty relevant to uh, what we talk about pretty frequently on the podcast, which mm -hmm. is movies. This is specifically if someone is texting or making a phone call or maybe all of it or, or just talking to their someone you know, next to them at the, at the theater. How much does it bother you when it's disrupting your movie-going experience? Or does it disrupt your movie-going experience when people are, are uh, chit-chatting, whether on the phone or otherwise? So this one, this one definitely bothers me. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, I'm a person who, when I, especially when I pay for a movie, when I go into the theater, I'm expecting to get that high-quality movie theater experience. Um, you get the – you get. The, the lights off, the big screen, you get the previews. Like I want to take that all in for whatever, the two hours that I'm there. So when I have people near me that um, are, you know, either sending Snapchats or, I mean, I think the one thing that bothers me more than anything is people talking on their phone, like during the movie. That's like, that's out of this world. That's crazy. <sighs> if you can't leave the theater to talk on the phone, I just, I look around and I'm like, am I the only one that's pissed off right now? Like I'll look at the people near me and be like, who's going to say something I'm about to, I swear. <laughs> but yeah, that, if it's like, if they're texting, that's one thing because texting, you got your brightness down and you're answering some texts. I, I couldn't get less, but if you're talking on the phone or even if you're talking to the people you're with, just like, why'd you come to a movie? If you're just going to chat the whole time, like I need to hear the dialogue. I'm a dialogue person. I want to know what's going on. And if I get lost, I'm going to get upset. <laughs> so, so with this one, because <laughs> of how much I love movies and how often I go, this one's definitely going to be on the, the higher end, but it's not something I'm going to lose my mind over. Um, so I'm going to put it right below people grabbing food off my plate. So I'm going to put it as like a seven and a half. Seven and a half. All right. For those keeping track at home, don't, don't uh, steal popcorn from Chad in the movie theater. while, while yes, talking that, to him. That will, that, that will probably not that be. We're getting kicked scenario. out of the movie or at least one of us is. <laughs> <laughs> so this one's really, really tough. And I got to admit, like sometimes the funniest moments at movies are when someone's talking and some other person way in the back is like, hey, yo, yo, shut the fuck up. <laughs> That's hilarious to me when that happens because 
I don't like being in the position of having to be that enforcer to say, I don't want to be the, the, the guy that's like, hey, shut up, like stop talking. I'll do it if I have to, but I don't like mm-hmm. being that guy. And so I like it when someone else, I, I like it when anyone else, especially someone in the back is just yelling at someone way in the front to like, stop making out or stop doing this or that or whatever. It's, I think it's hilarious. So I almost, mm-hmm. because that occurs only because people are talking in the theater, and I like when that occurs. It doesn't bother me as much as it should when people are talking in the theaters because I like what it leads up to. But to your point, I hate that it ruins the movie going experience, the movie itself. So I'm just going to have to settle like cop out answer and put it right in the middle at five. Sure. It bothers me, but I also think it leads to pretty Yeah, you funny definitely outcomes. can get some funny moments because there are some people that take the next step that you and I usually wouldn't take. We don't want to be the guy to say something. So typically we won't, we'll just hope that someone else does. And that exactly what is what happens when the funny moments you're talking about. So it's like someone will turn around and be like, shut the hell up, like get off your phone. And we're just sitting there and inside we're like, (laughs) yes, 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 yes. Um, (laughs) And then I remember from train wreck, if you remember the movie with, uh, John Cena and um, Amy, yeah, LeBron, LeBron. Amy Schumer, Amy yeah. Schumer. So in the near the relative beginning of the movie, uh, she's in the theater with John Cena, and they're talking about something, whether it's like their sex life or like something that's wrong in their relationship. And somebody yells at them to like shut the hell up, and John Cena stands up and like looks back at them, and the guy calls him like Mark Wahlberg, and he's like Mark Wahlberg. I'm like if Mark Wahlberg ate Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> I mean, John Cena also, side note, he's been hilarious in the movies he's been in. Uh, he's he's very he's one of those like yes. athletes that has done really well in finding that comedic niche, just like I think LeBron may at some point once he retires from the game. But yeah, so back to our point. Yeah, the, the movie thing, it's kind of it's it, it's hit or miss. Like it could be really funny or it could piss you off. <laughs> absolutely it is a really funny quote about john cena I, I do remember that moment very funny and kind of subtle yes, dig on mark Wahlberg. tough tough, tough one. all right um let's take a little break here and then we'll uh go into our our usual sports section Thanks for taking a break. Uh, we're back with a, a segment we haven't done before, but something that is relatively close to our hearts um, in terms of we, we love talking about athletes on this podcast. We like talking about big sports moments. We like talking about guys that are super, super talented. Um, and as you know, there's some insanely like talented athletes in the world today. However, we're going to be focusing on the best fictional athletes of all time. So no Tiger Woods, no Michael Phelps. We're going to go with those fictional athletes that you've either read about in some books or you've seen in movies or maybe even some childhood TV shows. We're going to, our challenge today is to draft our five favorite fictional athletes. So they may not necessarily be the, the best. We're not, we're not making a team here to like play a pickup basketball game or a game of football. We're just picking our favorite fictional athletes of all time. So that being said, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow Matt to, to have the first pick. It's always dangerous to allow your, your opponent to have the first pick, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the chance here. Yeah, so we do recognize that that we're probably bigger nerds about this kind of thing than than your average listener. So we'll try to define the best we can who these people are in the cases that that it's not super clear. Yes. Uh, and the first pick may actually be one of those people, surprisingly, that is not super, super clear to just, just some of our fans. But I think to a subset of our fans, it will be very clear. And, and Chad, I think you you may know who I'm going for with my number one pick because there is one guy and one guy only. When I think of fictitious athletes, and I know this is our, these are not necessarily the best athletes we're talking about, but mm-hmm. in this case, this is my favorite athlete, and he is the best athlete, and that is Mr. Pablo Sanchez from the Backyard <laughs> Video Game Computer Game Series. Uh, I was definitely afraid of this. He, I mean... There's not much you can say when talking about the secret weapon. 
Uh, for those of you that don't know, Matt, Matt prefaced this by saying that a lot of you guys may not know some of these characters from such obscure games or, or older movies, but Pablo Sanchez was probably the face of Backyard Sports, um, which was a super popular computer game that I'd say was really popular in like the, the early uh, 2000s. Um, that I can imagine a lot of us, like our age, like uh, kids in their like twenties or mid twenties, probably played as a kid. I know I played backyard soccer, backyard baseball, backyard football, and guess what? Pablo Sanchez was OP the entire time. It didn't matter what sport it was; he was an absolute god. <laughs> <laughs> it was insane. He his metrics were like so when you're when you're drafting your team in these backyard games, you look at you look at metrics for every sport that these guys play and Pablo Sanchez in every single sports series. And I think there were maybe five or six, like hockey, football, soccer, basketball, baseball. And I think one other one, and he was the best kid in every single one. And he's like listed at like four foot eight and this kind of sh- short, stocky, stocky kid. And I legit wanted to grow up to be Pablo Sanchez, even though he, he was probably younger than me when I was playing those games. So Pablo Sanchez, hands down, go take a look Take a look on Google uh, to see what he was and what he looked like. But that kid was awesome. Number one pick. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be a tough act to follow. But I will I will do my very best here with a a guy that is gonna be from a movie that I'd say maybe half of our our viewership has probably seen. Um, it's definitely one of my, one of my favorite sports movies. So I'm going to go with a guy that's an, an unquestioned, just one of those like gritty underdog guys that just works super hard because he's not the most, the most talented or the most physically gifted. I'm going with Shane Falco, the, the quarterback of the Washington senators in the, in the, <laughs> in the movie, uh, the replacements. Um, for those of you who don't know who that is, it's played by Keanu Reeves. Side note, also an awesome human being. Very funny, very generous in real life. Awesome actor. So that just adds to my love of Shane Falco uh, because I love Keanu Reeves. Um, Shane is in that movie is just the embodiment of like the underdog story. He's just that guy off the street that was probably a super like great high school and college athlete that just – he has all the intangibles. He just didn't get the opportunity or wasn't as gifted – physically to to make the nfl but it was it's just it's such a cool story and he's such a an awesome quarterback like you can't you couldn't help but root for him when you watch that i don't know if you got the the same feeling when watching him in that yeah the replacements is a pretty funny concept movie too like it's it's a comedy movie but it definitely does give you those feelings of wanting to root for a team and wanting to root for a guy in shane falco and in keanu reeves so i definitely I probably myself, I actually didn't have him super high on my big board, but again, like this is, this is what makes like this genre is so incredibly deep. There's so many arguments that you could make for all these characters. And I think Shane Falco is a very, very strong choice. All right. And because in, in snake draft fashion, because Matt had the first pick, I'll, I'll go ahead and make my second pick before it wraps around to him. Um, So I, I need to make this one count. I'm going to go with, an icon for sure, um, especially for once again kids of our age and even older. This the movie he was in was, if not the best sports movie of all time for a lot of um, a lot of different audiences. I know when ESPN did their you know best sports movies of all time, I believe it was an easy number one seed when they made a bracket. So uh, I'm going with from the Sandlot, Benny the Jet Rodriguez. Which, I mean, when you watch that movie as a kid or even at any age for that matter, you just you can connect on like the level of like having that group of friends and being outside and like whatever you're playing, you're playing baseball, you're playing kickball. Like there's always that one kid who is just like good at everything. He was just ridiculously athletic. He was smart. He was good looking. He was just so smooth. And like Benny was that kid in the group of Sandlot kids. He was you could tell he was going to probably be the most successful. Sports came super easy to him. But the best part about this is he wasn't one of those guys that because everything came easy to him, he was like an absolute jerk. He was probably like the nicest guy in the movie. One of the, right. He brought he, – he put the group together and brought in outsiders because he – just for the love of baseball. So like 
I, I'm picking him because like, I think he was just so iconic and obviously he ends up playing for the Dodgers later, as we know from the end of that movie spoiler, but it shouldn't be. Cause if you haven't seen the Sandlot, like you just need to go, you just need to get out from under a rock because I, I, I'm feeling bad for you. If you haven't seen that. <laughs> the Sandlot is, is such a fantastic movie. It definitely was a huge part of my childhood. And I remember like when it, it, it'll sometimes stream on TV just now, like cable and I'll always tune in and watch it because that's a feel good, feel good movie. Mm-hmm. And like you said, like Benny is this awesome character who, is clearly better than every single person on the the team, but he doesn't hold it over them. He doesn't hold it against them. He actually stands up for them. He's he's definitely like in it for the team. Uh, I love Benny the Jet Rodriguez here, and he was he was going to go early in my draft, so definitely snagged him away from me. Um, I thought you were going to say when you're talking about an icon from the Sandlot that you you'd mentioned Squints and Wendy Peppercorn in the iconic Dude, scene, but yeah. but you left him potentially for me if I yeah, want. He he another legend. Uh to say the least. <laughs> okay. So this is the wraparound. It comes to me for, um, for my second pick. Uh, this one is not necessarily because I'm, I, I think that she's in danger of being taken. Um, but I do want to actually just take someone that I think is, is number two on my list of, of favorite fictional athletes. And that is uh, people that maybe aren't, aren't super into uh, sports movies. They, almost definitely have not heard of this person, but it's Dottie Henson, who's in one of my favorite sports movies, a league of their own with uh, Tom Hanks and actually just sort of a, an ensemble cast in there. But Dottie Henson is basically like this dairy farm girl that plays in like a dairy farm softball league. And she gets recruited to go play uh, in a, a startup league in the Chicago area and is constantly surrounded by super, difficult personalities like Tom Hanks plays an awesome yet super dislikable manager in the movie for, for Dottie. And Dottie is just like this really great, like you said, like an underdog story that you want to root for, but she always holds her own. She's always this great ideal of like a strong female lead. They sort of, I think at the time was not super popular in the movie. So it was actually really awesome to see. And pretty much the entire movie she held through to that true to that character. And she is a family woman, thinking about her husband who's at uh, currently away at the war. And she's also has um, a great relationship with her sister who gets a little, it gets a little bit tested later in the movie. Um, but it, it ultimately, all, ultimately all works out. And it's just the film itself is really good, but she is like the embodiment of a, of a character you really want to root for. Yeah, absolutely. I know uh, I would imagine some of our audience hasn't seen a league of their own. Um, it's not, it's not a super mainstream movie, but it it's an absolutely fantastic film. And like you said, I would describe her probably as like a Georgia peach. Um, so pretty much similar to Dairy Farm. I mean, she's just that good-hearted, wholesome, like super honest, um, lovable character that just plays the game the right way. And you just want good things to happen to her. And I mean, she's absolutely a beast as well when it comes to she's a great yeah, player. <laughs> don't take that we're not it's not one of those things where we're, we're telling you about like her personality no she's an absolute monster compared to um most of the the rest of the league like she's a phenomenal catcher and she's one of the best hitters on the team so she being number two on your list completely understandable because not only is she just a fantastic athlete she's also just a fantastic human being yeah yeah so i i'm, I'm happy with her at number two uh, number three is going to be a stark departure from number two. And I, I will tell you, um, and, and for all the, all the wrong reasons, I like this guy. Uh, this is a guy from one of my favorite movies of all time, Dodgeball, which I know oh, you man. also, also are a big fan of Love Dodgeball. It. Love it. <laughs> so I think you're probably wondering, will I go average Joe's or will I go Globo Gym? So the good guys are the bad guys in That's the a movie. Good question. And I'm going to go the bad guys. I'm going the bad guys, and I'm going with the icon, White Goodman, played by Ben Stiller. Wow. One of the all-time great sports bad guys. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I know this is this could be a little bit of favoritism between the two of us, but uh, we both love Dodgeball. It's super quotable, super funny. I mean, it's, an, it's, a, it's, a, it's a movie that when it comes on, like, I have to watch. Um, and when others watch with me, it's probably annoying because I can, I can quote, I'd say like 50% of the film, if not more, but yeah, white Goodman <laughs> just, he's hysterical. He's awesome. He, yeah, like you said, you put it best when you said he's pretty much the opposite of, uh, Dottie in every like personality way. 
<laughs> However, the one thing they do have similar, White Goodman is an absolute hoss, like on the on the dodgeball court. His, yes. his athletic prowess and just on the court in the film is incredible. I will say, like, I know a lot of people are not going to like White Goodman, but he's worked hard, you know? He worked hard for... He's, Absolutely. he's manipulative, but he's smart, very clever man. So you got to at some point show some respect for White Goodman and, and uh, his attempts to just keep the, the gym monopoly that he has. Yeah, he, I mean, he, you, you just point to his work ethic. He, he lost over 600 pounds. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, that, that is, that's a serious work ethic. Yeah, that is like, serious. You work know, ethic. that's the type of guy you want on a team or like that you can admire, like in terms of, a guy that works that hard to become to get to the top of the game. I mean, I, I respect it. I respect, <laughs> respect it. All right. So, so hopefully I, I, I shuffled your plans up a little bit. We'll see. Uh, who are you going with three, four, your side? So this one is, is going to be a, a bit strange. Um, when, when initially thinking of favorite fictional athletes, keyword being athlete, a lot of you guys will probably comment and say, I don't know if he's really an athlete or he probably shouldn't be in this category, but I I disagree. And I'm going to tell you why my third pick is Forrest Gump. Now, not only (laughs) is this one of the best movies ever made in my opinion, Forrest Gump, I think from like a character development perspective, uh, maybe like one of the most complete characters ever. (laughs) And I mean, (laughs) What's not to like about the guy? He's he's super committed. Uh, he 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 is devoted to the same woman the entire movie when she clearly did not want him for just about the entire film. Uh, he he goes to Alabama, which is as we know one of the best, if not the best, football university in the nation. And even Bear Bryant says that he's one of the fastest guys and best like kick returners he's ever seen. So I mean that that alone <laughs> has got to let you know that he's an athlete. I mean, but then I mean if that doesn't convince you, I get it. Like Bear Bryant saying he's a good kick returner, whatever. He then goes on a run that lasts. I mean, what like a year? I think he runs for a straight year, only stopping to sleep. <laughs> I mean that if I'm keeping track of that right like he might have the best stamina of any athlete that's ever existed. <laughs> I mean <laughs> to run across the country like he got to each coast and then just like turned around. I mean that is that is incredible. He's a war hero like what's not to like about Forrest Gump? I think he's the total package. He's an incredible athlete and he's a great guy. Don't forget about no. ping pong. He also is an Olympic ping pong champion. Exactly. I mean, like, so. the versatility there. Like, come on. Yeah, it's actually insane. I, I actually did think about Forrest Gump, and I was also wavering, like, oh, like athlete. Because the thing is, when he is that good of an athlete, but he's also so good at, like, just almost anything he actually set his mind to, he was just kind of good at, even though he was just sort of this odd duck. Yeah, it makes him super likable, but it's also like I'm sure that these people, these these scholarship players at Alabama, are like, man, fuck this guy. Oh, like, yeah. he's <laughs> he's just like he's re- returning. The montage is hilarious. He's returning literally every single kickoff for a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually hysterical. So uh, that's a that's a very solid pick, and it is one that I did consider. But Forrest Gump, maybe the best athlete on here uh, from like a athleticism standpoint. All right. So I'm going to move to my my fourth pick um, as part of the as part of the wraparound. This this person, um, this woman, is going to be the first woman I add to my team. She's going to compete against uh, Dottie. A lot of people probably have seen this movie. Uh, there are a lot of people who may not recognize it by the title, but if maybe I was to show you a clip of it, you may be like, "Oh yeah, I saw that." This movie is She's the Man, and the, the, the girl I'm referring to is <laughs> Viola Hastings, played by Amanda Bynes. A lot of you, if you haven't seen the movie, if you don't know the character, you know who Amanda Bynes is. Uh, she's from mm. The Amanda Show, Nickelodeon. But her character in that movie, super cool. Like, watching it as, you know, when you and I are 
12, 13, like whatever age we were. Um, she's just like that girl you want to hang out with all the time. She's like that cool girl that like she tries out. Mm-hmm. She's, she's better than some of the guys and she's beating the guys in the, on the soccer team, but she ends up um, playing for the guys team and just kicking ass. And she, she's disguised the entire movie as a guy. Like that's pretty devoted uh, that she's able to keep up that kind of a ruse <laughs> for anybody that doesn't know. Channing Tatum is also in that movie. Um, it's, it's true. Young, young Channing. Channing. And I mean, what's not to like about young Channing? If there's another reason to go see it, um, you either see it for Viola Hastings to see how cool she is, or you go see it for young, young Channing. It doesn't matter to me. I just want you to see the movie, but, but Viola, yeah. she's, I mean, I, I know we both, we both uh, have talked about how we, we love Viola Hastings, but she's, she's a killer soccer player. She's, she's an awesome person, super fun, super competitive, I think she's she's just one of my favorites because I love the I love the competitiveness when it comes to like all right they won't let me like I'm too good to play on the girls team but like they don't want me to play for the guys team so screw it I'm gonna disguise myself as a guy go play for it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Viola Hastings, awesome, awesome, awesome character, and honestly, an awesome movie. This was like pre Magic Mike Channing Tatum, so. Uh, a different version of Shannon Tatum, but a super fun version of him as well. But yeah, Viola, Viola Hastings for sure, like dedicated to her craft and she was way better than all the guys in the movie. Even like the really good guys, like she was better. She was the best soccer player in that movie. And it, it was just, uh, it's a funny movie too. It's like watching the, the different scenes that, that occur. And like, she's trying to balance this familial pressure of being this girly girl versus she just kind of wants to be like a super good soccer player, which is really fun. So I will take back my pick with the, the final two on my five-person draft. And uh, you did spark my imagination here a little bit with Viola Hastings. So I have to go mano a mano for a soccer player as well. And this is going to be just uh, Jess Bamra. Bamra. I, I, I can't pr- uh, remember exactly how to pronounce her last name. But very unfamiliar name probably in, in I actually had to look it up myself, um, but I just remembered this character I really liked. And she is the protagonist from Bend It Like Beckham, which is uh, another older soccer film from maybe the early 2000s. And this is is another awesome sort of an underdog story. And I think anyone watching is like, wow, this is actually insane that like, she she basically is like, uh, just kind of likes soccer, but has no real outlet Mm -hmm. to play soccer. Uh, and she lives in sort of like a, a little bit of a old fashioned family that doesn't want her to do, you know, outdoor sports like soccer. So they want her to live like a more formal familial life. Um, and so she actually gets noticed by her eventual best friend in the movie who's played by Kira Knightley. And I remember like Kira Knightley in the film was also mm-hmm. awesome. And, uh, and I, I really enjoyed watching her as well, but I have to take Jess Bamra because just the whole story of, of her, sort of succeeding at a super high level in, in soccer, but also being able to break out of some of the traditional molds that her family is holding her to. I can't say I, I necessarily like can connect with it, but I think it is a super inspirational story for a lot of people um, to be able to watch that. Yeah. Uh, I actually love um, the movie Bend It Like Beckham. Um, I, re- I mean, I watch, I've seen it a bunch of times and I watch it whenever it's on. Um, she's absolutely awesome. She's actually uh, super, low-key really funny um as well in the movie with her interactions with Mm -hmm. her with her coach and um her parents uh she's just she she's so polar opposite of like her sister in the movie um, because her sister is doing all the traditional um like finding finding a a guy um that's that's also indian and wealthy and she's all into like getting married and doing all that stuff and then you have uh Jess who's just like I'm just trying to play soccer and like have a good time. I'm not looking to get married at like 19. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yes, she just exactly. looks, she just seems to be having a blast and like she 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 disobeys her parents to go after her passion and she's just it's it's a super relatable um thing to, to just see somebody that's like just they're just going after what they want and kind of going against maybe necessarily what they're supposed to do, which is you always root for that. You want, you want people to, to find their passion and to, to go and do something they want rather than be like forced into this role that they don't necessarily fit. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what I was thinking as well. So 
Uh, Jess Bamra, really good character um, for me, someone that I just really, really liked, especially in my soccer playing days. My last pick, number five, and and I can't like I can't do it justice because there's so many great characters I'm leaving out here. Um, just real quick, some honorable mentions. Uh, I had Ivan Drago was considered Apollo Creed from the Rocky movies. I even considered Airbud. I don't know if I'm giving you ideas <laughs> here for your last pick, um, but Airbud was considered. I considered Chad Danforth the like sidekick to Troy Bolton from the oh, High School Chad, Musical movies. Another, another um, great Chad. I, I, I considered. I considered <laughs> another great Chad. He was considered. Um, but I'm going to go with a character that I think is maybe one of the most hysterical characters that I've ever watched in a movie. Uh, or or a series of movies, and funny enough, he's actually played by the same exact actor that plays Benny the Jet Rodriguez. Wow, making the list twice so, here. The 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 actor. Yes, not super well known actor, but these two roles, he is he maybe was just a great That's athlete true. actor. Who knows? Uh, and this is Luis Mendoza from the Mighty Ducks films. Wow. Um, so for those that don't know, <laughs> uh, it's, yeah, a, it's a throwback. Sure. Deep cut. For those that don't know, Mighty Ducks was a, a hockey series for um, kind of a, against the the angry. I don't even know. It was like I think high schoolers against angry Russian hockey players. Kind of like a, a smaller version of Miracle on Ice. Fair. Um, but it's it's <laughs> very it's a very funny like funny concept film of this this coach who was down on his luck in a few different ways. Like I think he got arrested for a DUI or something. And then he becomes part of his community services coaching high school or like, not, uh, like middle school hockey players, <laughs> like a co-ed hockey team, which is a hilarious concept in the first place. But Luis Mendoza, to get to my point, Luis Mendoza was a player that was created for this film. And his feet, his like defining characteristic is that he's the fastest skater of all time, <laughs> but he can't stop. He can't stop. He doesn't know how to break on the skates, <laughs> which is like a super hysterical personality trait or not a personality trait, but a trait of his like athleticism. So he's super feared by defenses because he just goes super fast. And I think anyone who's played sports like can relate against this guy. You're trying to play defense against this guy who's insanely fast, but has no actual touch or ability to to uh, to finish or to make a super meaningful impact on the game. Uh, even though Luis did end up scoring quite a few goals, few um, goals and like the crowning achievement in one of the big games, he actually was able to stop, which is a hilarious side plot. So Luis Mendoza, one of my favorite athletes, just a super relatable character, just like this one fatal flaw. Yeah, absolutely. He um, he was he was a very a very funny character in that series because I I loved the Mighty Ducks. Uh, movies uh, I know I actually considered as one of my honorable mentions was uh, Goldberg <laughs> as the as oh, the, mm-hmm, the legendary mm-hmm. um, comical overweight goalie that the the mighty ducks uh, put in their net each day despite his his fear of like standing in front of a puck that's being shot um, it's a very it's a very strange position to be playing if you have that fear. <laughs> But Goldberg was just one of those lovable characters. But like you said, I think there were there were I mean, yeah, Charlie Conway, Conway, and even like Adam Banks. I mean, there were so many characters. It's crazy that we even remember their names. <laughs> that just that just shows oh, like yeah. that we they they were so so fun and like the way they were portrayed um, and just having fun on that team. I think we both we both love a bunch of the characters in that movie. And he was he was absolutely hysterical. You all know the. You all know a guy that like just has all the physical gifts and then just has one flaw that just screws up his game so much. <laughs> You're just like whether it's <laughs> he can't dribble well or he can't in his case he can't he just he can't stop um, or it's you can't shoot like it's just it's it's crazy to see. Um, but I think it's it's a very strange um, fifth pick. It's a wild card. I like it. You you dug deep for that one. Yep. Yep. <laughs> uh, Curious to see who you close this out with. Yeah, so my fifth pick um, is a person that I absolutely love, but a few of the a few of the honorable mentions for me basically just Adam Sandler in just about every role. Because uh, if you think of, I mean, he's played so many sports roles. I mean, Happy from Happy Gilmore, uh, absolutely. Yep. I mean, had the the skills in that movie that if he was a real life golfer, he'd be one of the best golfers of all time. Um, he's Bryson. If, like yeah, Bryson. if Bryson could learn to putt like Happy did in that film, that would Bryson is the modern day Happy Happy. And then he played <laughs> Paul Crew, the quarterback, um, in the Longest Yard. 
So that was another another one I considered. Ty Webb um, from Caddyshack, um, played by Chevy Chase, absolutely hysterical. Great character, just an absolute loon. Like he's just he was so funny to watch. But I only could pick one um, as my fifth pick, so I went with a guy that a lot of you may give me some grief saying he's not an athlete. Let's just relax. Let's just Forrest relax Gump again? that because this guy dominated his sport like no other. I mean, absolutely dominated it. And I'm talking about Ricky Bobby from Talladega Nights. Can't you can't say he did? He just won. He just kept winning. I mean, it, throughout the film, he just he won all of these races. Just somehow or some way, he was just winning. Whether that was his teammates allowing him to be in the best position eh. or he's just a really good driver. <laughs> and we're talking about, if you haven't seen Talladega nights, uh, you definitely should watch it. It's kind of like in the same type of feel as dodgeball. It's just one of those movies that if you enjoy some, some really stupid comedy and some laugh out loud comedy, um, some great quotes, um, that's definitely a movie to check out. But he, he's he it's played by will ferrell so as you can imagine that should give you a hint about how the movie is already because if you've seen any movie that will ferrell's been an athlete in um Chaz michael michaels in blades of glory um he played uh <laughs> jackie moon in semi-pro um so he's he's just he's a guy that doesn't look like he should be an athlete but somehow excels at every sport but yeah ricky bobby i mean it, what do you not like about the guy he's He's like this staunch, like never changing, stubborn, like just kind of pride of the USA. Um, just winning, winning is everything. Instant gratification. If you're not first, you're last. And what can you can't you can't not like the guy when you watch that movie? You're just like, dude, this guy is just crazy, and he's just he's just there he's just there to win and he, he'll do whatever is necessary. And sometimes I like that mentality. I, I, I like it when some, sometimes you just, you, you go that extra, extra mile, literally. <laughs> so yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, Ricky Bobby, really, really solid choice. I mean, I think it, he goes well against my white Goodman pick. I think they're, they're both in a similar, like outrageous shock, shock value, uh, mm-hmm. character and, and and I think you root for Ricky more than you root for White in general in the films. But Ricky Ricky Bobby is a hysterical character. Like there's so many iconic scenes from that movie. Whether it's him stabbing his leg and then using like another <laughs> knife to pry out the knife that he had just stabbed into his leg. Him uh, like running around like oh save me Tom Cruise you know because he's like got a shirt he thinks he's on fire. Or, like, Baby Jesus at his like Powerade sponsored mm-hmm. family dinners. There's there's some hilarious hilarious scenes in there. I mean, you're right. Like, how can you just not find his character absolutely hysterical? And like, honestly, there's a, a pretty big growth story in there too. Like, he does grow a lot in the film, which you, you can't you can't look at it and just be like, ah, oh, he's just the same throughout the whole thing. And no, he he learns a lot mm-hmm. about himself in that movie. And yeah, I dude, a lot of self discovery um, in that in that film, which I, I love the characters that kind of make that like transformation throughout the film. Um, they start a certain way, but they either find something out about themselves or they, they change or get to a place where they, they've found like a new, a newfound ability or like a, a way they'd want to be. And he definitely fits that criteria. Yeah. Like, don't get us wrong. Like he is still a hilarious, yes. dumb <laughs> idiot throughout the entire movie. Like it's not like he grows out of that, but, but uh, he definitely, he definitely has some evolution. Cool. Well, we'll take a a quick break and we'll jump into the uh, most anticipated segment with the salsa of the day. Hey, everyone. This is the moment uh, hopefully you've all been waiting for with the uh, salsa of the day review. Chad is going to be on the bag today with the Tostitos bag. We've got Desert Pepper Trading Company mm-hmm. Mild, I think is what you said, Chad. Um, so yeah, I'll let you so take it away. I've got the Desert Pepper Trading Company Cantina style mild salsa, and I just opened it. And I got to tell you, it's a super strong smell. Um, 
without even tasting it, um, just from opening it, there's a super strong smell, which I'm not opposed to. Uh, it's making me think that it could be, it could be super flavorful. What kind of smell are we? What kind of smell are we talking about here? Like a vinegar smell? Like a like an <laughs> elephant dung? Like what are we going for? It's, it's very it's very oniony. Um, it's got very like hmm. like a, almost like a fresh like pepper um, smell when you're like you're cutting peppers. Um, it's 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 strange. It's very pungent. Uh, I didn't expect uh, the the smell to be so strong, especially coming from a mild salsa. So. I've got I got some chips okay. here, so the the important part here to to really really focus on this first taste, first scoop out of the out of the new container. Okay. He is chewing with his mouth closed. I can tell mm-hmm, everybody. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so you you, you probably can hear me chewing. Not only Matt, but you guys probably can as well. Okay. okay. His face is telling me an interesting story right now. I'm curious if his his words right. will match what it, his face is telling. Confusing me right now. Um, is probably the best word. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna change the the pattern here and take a second a second chip. I'm going for a I'm going for a second scoop. Oh oh! Um, because I just <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know if this is good good for the salsa that we're doing this because. I'm not so sure how I feel about the second chip dip going in. I don't know. Maybe he can't tell what the flavor is. He's... We're going to need a third chip, Chad. We're going to need a number three. No. <laughs> nope. Only two chips necessary. Okay. Two chips. So give me a, give me your flavor rating here. One to five – or sorry, one to this seven. Is, lip this is – it's not good. It's – it's <laughs> – I'm disappointed. Um, the flavor – the flavor is – very, very mild. I mean, it's. I, I, the reason I needed a second chip was because I chewed it up. I did did the usual routine, you know, Listerine it around in my mouth. Um, I'm I'm trying to get that flavor profile, and I just I got nothing. Like I just really couldn't taste the flavor. So I went for the second chip. Same story. I I'm mystified. Like the the flavor is just very lacking. Um, I'm giving this like, uh, I'll be generous and give it a 1.5. It's harsh. Oh, um, nothing, nothing crushes yeah. us like a bad it's, salsa it's tasting. Hard. I gotta be honest. This is hard really, to hear. really disappointing to hear. I've heard good things about this company. Actually, desert, they're kind mm-hmm. of, they're, I thought they were up and right. coming, but this is a sad review. Um, let's see if they can pick it up spice level. That is I'm having a tough time. And when I say tough time, I'm, I'm having a tough time deciding if it's worse than the flavor. <laughs> um, so this is, this is not going as well as I had hoped. I mean, spice level. Wow. That I, I think it's, I think I'm going to give another 1.5. Like this is, this is, this is oh. crushing. I know oh. it's crushing your soul. I mean, it's absolutely crushing me. Uh, because it is just, uh, there was no spice, like no tingle, no like little, little like aftertaste, no hotness at the end, no hotness at the beginning. But what, what's confusing here is how it smelled so strong when I opened. That's why I'm so confused right now. It smelled so strong and so either like flavorful or spicy. And then I could not taste a thing. And and I promise I don't I don't currently have COVID, um, and I and I'm lacking the ability to taste. Um, I, I I can taste, and yeah, I'm getting nothing. Wow, I mean, I don't even know what to say right now. This is this is so far. I mean, we've only done a handful, but this is the all time worst we've done. I mean, we we've had a lot of salsa in our days, and I don't think I've ever heard one that's described this poorly. Uh, for a flavor and spice level standpoint. So we're averaging right at a 1.5 right now. Just just put, stick a knife in it. What's the dippability factor so look like here? If, if this will redeem anything at all, the dippability is actually very good. So okay. I don't think it warrants a purchase um, because no matter how dippable 
a salsa is, if it's lacking flavor and spice, you're probably not going to want it. Um, but its dipability is is pretty solid. Um, I got some really I got some really good scoops, and I did two scoops instead of one, so I got a little more sample size. It's it's mm-hmm. I'd say above average. So I mean, I I would go like four and a half, five for dipability. Okay, okay, um, but it sounds like there's not much lip licking that's taking place at all with this salsa. It's, no, it's really just like they've done their their homework on the dipability, and they've like made mm-hmm. it the, the right level of thickness or the right the right mincing of their tomatoes and onions and peppers, apparently. But they have not added the right ratio of any of that. No, I think the the main thing, the main thing here with this one, the overall takeaway is that it needs it needs a kick. Um, it needs something unique. It needs. Either you know some jalapenos, some ghosts, some cumin, like something, some sort of like heat factor, just to get that flavor profile a little stronger. Um, not many lip licks come in here, so I mean, if you take my average, I mean, we're looking somewhere to pressing like a two and a half, which you you, you hate to see. Uh, yeah, damn, this is I'm crushed. <laughs> I'm gonna have some sad dreams tonight. Uh, uh, so apparently, you will not be eating this while you're watching something this weekend. I would stick to the Kirklands. Uh, if you don't want the experience I had tonight. Uh, but like we said, like we mentioned last week, um, no salsa goes to waste. I will eat this entire can. This entire jar will be gone probably through the weekend. Uh, because when I'm watching sports, when I'm watching movies, I'm going to get some chips and salsa, sit down, have a good time. So uh, I'm still going to eat it. The dipability is there. Um, it will get eaten. Yeah, have no fear. Have no fear, Desert Pepper Salsa Company. Yes, this sir. will be consumed. All right. Thanks, everyone, for sticking with us. Have a good one, guys.